Welcome to episode 49 of This Week in Legal Blogging, presented by LexBlog. This is Bobby Ambrogi. I'm your host, and LexBlog is home to the world's largest community of legal bloggers and is the industry-leading provider of professional blogs and turnkey digital publishing solutions to lawyers and the world's largest law firms for more than 17 years. Again, this is Bob Ambrogi. I am the uh, publisher of the blog Law Sites and uh, also host of uh, another podcast called Law Next. And today on This Week in Legal Blogging, I'm very pleased to have as my guest Jason Shin, who is the publisher and uh, author of the Michigan Employment Law Advisor blog. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Bob. I appreciate it. Good to talk to you. How are you doing? How have, uh, how have you been through all the COVID craziness? And uh, are you finding things getting back to normal at all or still uh, working at it? Uh, normal's relative. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the practice sure is. is good. But yeah, things are getting back to being manageable, I suppose. So Jason, before we start talking about your blog, tell me a little bit about your practice and what you do. So I've been practicing law since uh, about 2001. Started out in employment and business litigation and consulting, working with a lot of uh, larger companies, HR professionals to handle employment law compliance under state and federal law, and then litigating those issues in in, uh, courts and agency proceedings. Since then, I I have continued to do that and kind of expanded my focus on non-compete and trade secret misappropriation issues. Around 2011, 2012, I had the opportunity to start my own firm. I had a, a decent book of business and, and some clients that it made sense to kind of take the leap. And I've been doing that ever since. It's uh, been a good set of, you know, different alternative or opportunities and, and, you know, some days a different set of headaches to deal with, but more or less, uh, it's been a good decision for myself and my family and uh, my clients. That's good. And obviously, uh, since you do the Michigan Employment Law Advisor, you're in Michigan. Where in Michigan are you based? Uh, so Metro Detroit, but... We practice throughout the state, have quite a few cases in the Metro Detroit courts, some in Grand Rapids, go as far as northern Michigan, Traverse City area. Haven't been up to the UP yet, but that's that's one thing that I uh, need to do. You know, I've never even visited the UP. That's been, that was on my uh, bucket list for this this summer and it didn't happen, but uh, maybe maybe next summer. I don't know. We, we vacationed up there this, uh, actually this past August. Uh, we wanted something that uh, was a little far away from people. And, and that certainly fit the bill and uh, highly recommend you getting up, get the chance. Yeah. So are you uh, a solo or do you have others at your firm? Mostly solo. I've got a couple of counsel relationships and then a couple of contract attorneys that kind of handle overflow or, or court appearances on less urgent matters or less important matters in terms of court proceedings. Lately, uh, this past year, just with Zoom filings and, and proceedings, been handling most of that. And then in addition, we have a paralegal that that is uh, very important, probably more important than most of the attorneys. As is so often the case. Uh, <laughs> so how much of your practice focuses on employment and how much of it is in other areas of, of business law? So employment makes up about, I would say, 70% of my overall workload. And that ebbs and flows in terms of litigation and consulting. And then kind of within that 70% is a subset of non-compete disputes, um, enforcement of non-solicitation provisions, and, and trade secret issues. And you mostly represent or probably exclusively represent employers on, on, on employment issues? Is that right? Or? 
mostly on the non-compete and the trade secret issues, it, it really depends on the day. And, and sometimes it, it, it's both in terms of individuals who were previously employed by a company and now representing them and or their new em- employer. So mostly employers on the employment litigation and counseling side. And I, I tend to be a little more selective on, on my plaintiff work when it comes to employment litigation either through you know referrals through through trusted partners or or just looking at the case and the merits I tend to be a little more selective on those cases but we, we do handle them uh, just not uh, as a, a matter of course as compared to the defense side yeah what do you like about employment law what what uh, gets you uh, what 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 made you want to do that as as your practice you know fell into it by happenstance and I was fortunate that I did I think first and foremost the the people aspect of it, you know, I got some commercial litigation exposure and it was just miserable in terms of, you know, the cold issues, the documents and, and you know, fighting over contractual terms. And in contrast, the, the employment litigation side is, is just so people dominated. And I really enjoy that. It can be, I suppose, trying in terms of, you know, sometimes in terms of the personalities and, and uh mm-hmm sometimes just the, the, the issues that, that people are facing. But overall, I, I would definitely say that the people side of it, uh, from a business side or business perspective, practice side, I, I think it's an area where I bring a lot of value to my business clients in terms of keeping them out of litigation, You know, really having an eye for how issues can, can quickly go south and, and deteriorate and become expensive problems to uh, put out. So I, I think that uh, just professionally speaking, I, I, it's an area where I, I bring a lot of value to my clients. Yeah. How have the uh, events of the past 18 months impacted the kinds of issues your clients are calling you about? It's, um, it's certainly been a trying time uh, for everybody in the country. From a legal perspective, it was initially kind of a situation where my business clients were just you know, trying to stay afloat in terms of dealing yeah. with, you know, normal business issues, the pandemic issues, and then how to respond from an employer perspective to the issues. And it seemed like every other day there was a new mandate or order coming out either on the state or federal side that, you know, my, my clients needed to know what they had to do or what they, you know, could do or, or not do. So it, it was actually a very busy time for my practice in terms of staying on top of those issues and, and consulting with my clients. But it was, it was also a pretty rewarding time. I mean, we, we had uh, several businesses that really relied on our input in terms of navigating those issues, and they were able to uh, stay afloat and, and in some instances actually um, in, improve their, their business overall in terms of some of the services that they were able to branch out into. Now I'm starting to see, and this has kind of changed over the last um, three to six months, the litigation side is picking up where individuals who were let go or not called back or who raised concerns about COVID-related issues, uh, those are now kind of bubbling to the surface and becoming hotspot in terms of uh, litigation that, that we're dealing with. Yeah. Are, are courts operating and open in Michigan? It varies by county. Um Oakland County, where I do a, a lot of work, is right now left to the discretion of the judges in terms of handling in-person events. I have yet to be in in court in an in-person matter since I think I was looking at it, I think it was like 
February, the end of February of 2020 was the last time I was in court. And then March was the last time I had an in-person deposition. So courts are operating, but both at the federal and state level, judges are still um, reluctant to have in-person hearings if they don't need to. Um, and what we're finding is most of the motions and proceedings that don't rely on witnesses or, or evidentiary hearings are, are going the route of Zoom uh, conferences. Having said that, there are certain judges who I, I think are a little more reluctant to continue on the practice. We had a trial that was scheduled in March of this year, and it took a motion and some, I won't say arm twisting, but a, a motion in, in several conferences to get that trial adjourned till, till the population was more readily vaccinated. And the judge noted in his opinion that uh, you know he, he expressed the belief that the court practices were such that he thought that the trial could be conducted safely and somehow the virus would not uh, infiltrate the jury or, or those participating. So it, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I do, uh, I do arbitration, uh, some arbitration in my own practice. Actually, I do labor and employment arbitration and I've got a hearing coming up next week that has been scheduled for physical way back, you know, back at the point we thought everything was, was, uh, was, uh, improving. And, uh, now, uh, just a couple of days before the hearing, we're all kind of scrambling around, saying, "Well, wait a minute, do we do we want to do this in person? I don't know." So uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a, a conference call later this week to try and sort that out. Well, so uh, we should talk about your blog before we run out of time here. I, I'm curious because you said you started your you went out on your own around 2011, and uh, by my calculations, that's also about when you started your blog. W- was that part of going out on your own and starting a practice, starting a blog? The two were closely tied together. And in fact, uh, to, to some degree, I, I think Kevin O'Keefe probably was the uh, the contributor to, to me going out on my, on my own. Kevin being the LexBlog uh, CEO and founder, yeah. That, that's correct. Yeah. At the time I was at a firm and, and I had wanted to start publishing a blog and LexBlog was the, the motivation for that. I, I used that as the uh, kind of the backdrop for that discussion. And, you know, the powers that be at, at the firm were very good attorneys, but uh, very older and kind of set in terms of what was attorney marketing and what was not and what would made sense and what, what didn't. And ultimately the, the decision, they, you know, they kind of dragged their feet and, and ultimately said that, the, you know, they didn't think it was the best use of, of firm resources and, and they had a whole host of other concerns that were real or, or, or not, be that as it may. So at that point, I, I kind of just looked at where things were going and just what made sense for me uh, personally uh, for, for marketing and, 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 and getting my name out there and, and blogging just kind of made sense. So, you know, to some degree, I, I think that Kevin contributed to that just in terms of making a lot of sense. And, and that was one of the reasons why I just in, va- in evaluating my career at that time, you know, did I want to be dependent upon partners or or other firm marketing aspects that didn't really, I, I guess, speak to me or, or, or benefit me directly? And the, the answer was, uh, in, in no small part, no. And so once I went out on my own, aside from the, the existing client base I had, how to best leverage my experience and, and, and represent who I was and what I, I provide to clients. And, and blogging just made sense and, and filled in the blank on, on so many of those uh, issues. So 
So part of the reason you left your firm, if I'm hearing you correctly, was so that you could blog. It, it was. I mean, just to have that control over my career yeah. and, and, and um, you know, to kind of be the master of my domain or, or future in terms of my, my professional development. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love that story. How soon after you went on your own was it that you actually got a blog going, and and how did you how did you kind of get it going in those early days? So uh, initially, I had just I'd set it up on my own outside of the LexBlog universe, and it was more or less just to kind of test the water, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, I, I I remember the excitement that I got when I client or prospective client contacted me about the article, and it was just the you know the excitement that somebody was actually reading what I was writing. Um, <laughs> And, and it kind of built on that. And then from there, it, you know, I saw the limitations of, of trying to manage a blog and actually be a lawyer. And, and that's when I, I had um, connected with LexBlog in terms of, you know, actually doing it through their platform. And it, it just made sense in terms of focusing on the content and, and the things that I enjoyed versus the technical side of it and, and trying to manage that along with anything else or, or paying somebody else to do that, that, you know, didn't necessarily have the expertise that I, I think Lexbrog brought to the table, but yeah, that, that sort of is the, how it happened. Yeah. So, uh, when you started the blog and, and even before you were with Lexblog and you started to hear from some clients who had seen the blog, any idea how they saw it? I mean, what were you doing to kind of promote it and get it out there? In those early days? Yeah. A, a lot of it, I think, and I'll be honest, it was just between dumb luck and just people Googling things that I was talking about. I eventually kind of, you know, focused on existing clients and or contacts in terms of either sharing directly or on LinkedIn. Then I kind of expanded that out to, you know, things that I was dealing with on behalf of, you know, existing clients and realizing, well, these are issues that other business owners are are also facing and, and using, you know, the the work that I was getting paid to do and, and to use that as, as a, a little bit of a springboard to throw that into a, a blog post. And normally what I would do, I, I'd, I'd look for uh, an existing case that I was not counsel of record on or another issue in, in the news and, and use that as a proxy for discussing the issues that I was that I had been handling or, or dealing with in, in terms of discussing them. Yeah. So, so talk about what Kind of what is your what is the focus of your blog? Who are you writing it for? Who's your audience? The the focus of the blog is is really on in a business owner or HR professional. And, and I think the best thing that I learned as a writer is why why does this content why should this content matter to that reader? What what are they going to get out of it? And use that as as the cornerstone for what I'm writing about because. A lot of things that I was reading at the time, or even uh, some of the law review journals, or or even uh, you know smaller articles for legal publications, were good content, good information, but it was not necessarily intended for the clients that I wanted to to speak to. So I, I tried to take an issue that is happening in the law and give an overview of, of what's going on and why that matters to a business owner. And I, I try to leave the reader with one or two things that they can do in terms of what steps to take or what steps not to do. And so that, that's worked well. I think one of the biggest challenges is just kind of paring down the, the content 
or the message that you're leaving in an article. And I think that I, I've done a, I'm not going to say a perfect job, but I'm getting better at not trying to deal with everything that a, a particular case or particular legal issue might involve and just really narrow down on the one or two, you know, distill it down to the one or two issues that can be talked about and action items that can be implemented in response to it. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, so many cases are so full of ancillary issues sometimes that really don't go to the core of why it matters to a business client, say, or, or whoever else the, the client might be. Do you do you do it all yourself or do you have others who help you with it in any way? I've experimented in the in, in years past in terms of hiring writers. I've had my paralegal, we've sat down and, and talked about topics. Uh, but invariably, I come back to writing it myself. It's something that I enjoy. It's something that I, I think kind of keeps me aware of what's going on outside of my little bubble. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just really something that I do actually enjoy quite a bit. So, yeah. You, you said earlier that you uh, went to uh, Lexblog at some point to kind of free yourself of having to deal with the technological side of running a blog. But of course, the editorial side is, is the much more time consuming uh, one. So have you I mean, do you have some kind of a kind of a routine around that? How do you how do you fit that in with your day to day work? in your day-to-day practice? So I, you know, I've got uh, different sources of news that I, I track, either feeds or just in terms of newspapers and legal periodicals. And so I will either through different services, I'll, I'll just kind of segregate those to read later. And, and then I, I try to schedule a time throughout the week to catch up on that. And a lot of it, it may be just skimming through to see what warrants a closer look. And then at that point, I'll just kind of make notes for potential articles. And then usually over the weekend, when I can get away from the phone or get away from email is when I'll, I'll sit down and actually write content based on that. I, I write it, uh, you know, the first and second draft on my own. And, you know, usually at, the, at that point, uh, I'll, I'll give it to my, my editor and probably supervisor in terms of my wife, who is <laughs> a much smarter and much better lawyer than, than I am. She'll, she'll read it just to make sure it uh, makes sense and squares with her much better grasp of the English language than, than mine. So your wife is a lawyer also? She is. Yeah. But you don't practice together? No, or, no. no. We, uh, she's a bankruptcy attorney. So, I mean, the, the issues that we focus on are just basically night and day. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of referral in terms of cases that, that go back and forth. She's a great attorney and, and she's always very insightful when it comes to issues that relate to predator rights or, or bankruptcy. So she's a great resource for, for me and, and my clients and vice versa. Oftentimes. Yeah. So I think, as I said at the outset, I think this is what episode 49 of, of this, uh, of this program in which I interview legal bloggers. And I think the vast majority of them have said they work over the weekend on writing their blog posts. Uh, it's kind of funny to me that uh, that's, that's so often the case. I, wonder whether their spouses wish they weren't blogging at, at some point, but uh, <laughs> that's a whole other question. You, you talked about some of those early on clients who contacted you as a result of your blog or mentioned having seen an article in your blog. How has that evolved over the years? I and mean, what kind of response have you gotten from either existing clients or potential clients? So in terms of the response, I don't do any other paid advertising. I don't place ads. I don't, don't do any advertising other than blogging. And I, I think that the reason why I've been able to do that in part is, is just because it is a good medium to reach potential clients. And, and just 
and, and I guess if, if one thing that I'm, I'm surprised by the current state of, of, you know, my client acquisition process is how many businesses, business owners have, have found me just Googling a legal issue or attorney. It's, it's somewhat remarkable that I think that, you know, that's, that's how the relationship starts. And, you know, it, it's a good way to showcase why I'm a good fit for that prospective client's legal problem. So is the process that somebody Googles a legal question, finds your blog, maybe goes and reads your blog, follows up with a contact to you? Yeah, that, I mean, in a nutshell is, is generally what uh, happens in terms of, you know, my, my cold call clients that, that I, I retain. Yeah. I, I mean, any sense of how many, you know, I don't know, percentage wise or, or how that's kind of translated into clients coming into your firm? I'll generally ask just in terms of how a, a new client has, has found us. It, it's almost, I, I mean, I would say probably upwards of 70 to 80% will refer to, I saw an article you wrote and refer to that. Also, I mean, I've had clients contact me from China, from India, who, you know, that's how they found me is, is, is a, a, an article that I wrote that deals directly with an issue that they're addressing. So yeah. uh, the vast majority of my, my new clients outside of referrals from, from kind of trusted referral partners or existing clients really come from, you know, that just sort of Google search for, for an attorney to handle a particular issue. That's pretty remarkable. Do you tend to write more about just Michigan employment law issues or do you write about federal employment law issues as well? I would say both, but I, I always try to, where I can, I, I try to tie that into a particular Michigan issue that relates to the issue. Yeah. So so when somebody contacts you from China, uh, are they looking for help with a Michigan question or are they looking for an employment lawyer generally and came across you? Mostly Michigan specific, um, either because the, the matter, you know, the, the company or the employees in Michigan. And, and that's one thing that I've had to add to my, my screening process is, you know, questions relating to where would this matter arise? Because I, I have been contacted about things that uh, ultimately would be out of state. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable uh, that, that you get that kind of, you know, direct uh, kind of response from, from your blog. You mentioned that you've experimented with other people helping you write or contributing. Has your own approach to the writing of the blog changed or evolved over the years, the way you write posts or, or how you focus them? Yes and no. I, I think it's probably been more refined in two standout ways. Is, is one, the question I ask at the, before I start writing is, why does this matter? Who is yeah. this for and, and why, did, why should it matter? Why should you know, somebody take the time to read this? Right. That's the question I ask at the forefront. Aside from that, in terms of the writing process, I have found that I've resorted to some you know, software solutions in terms of cleaning up the writing. Brief catch is, is something that I have, have used in the past. Word rake, experimented with a, something called Grammarly. Mm -hmm. um, but that's really the only tweak that I've made in terms of the writing itself, trying to streamline and, and, and just make it more clear and concise and, and punchy for, for the audience. Yeah, and I've experimented with all those too. I, I ended up not really liking Grammarly a whole lot. I mean, I found it was not doing much that I wouldn't have known to do. Myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yep. I agree. What about advice for others about blogging? I mean, what have you, do you feel like there's anything you've learned about how to make a blog work, how to make a blog successful that would help others who are starting or trying to build a blog in the legal area? 
I, I think the best piece of advice I got and, and, and thing that I, I stuck with from the beginning is make sure it's an area, a topic that, that you enjoy and that you want to put the time in. And I think that if you start with that, you're, you're more inclined to stick with it when you're trying to balance work, family life and everything else. I mean, it, it is a time constraint. And if you don't like it, if you don't enjoy it, it, it's going to be a grind to kind of stick with the, the routine and, and, you know, what it takes to continuously write topics. Uh, so I think first and foremost, definitely make sure it's an area that you, you genuinely enjoy and, and not something that, you know, you're being told by, you know, a mentor or, or something that this is a great legal area or, or area of business that you want to expand into. Second, I, I think that, you know, you, you have to look at it as, as not only, not so much as a marketing tool, but really a, a way to just advertise your little corner of the universe that, that you're the expert in, that, that you're, you know, the go-to person for that, that area and explain why. And uh, I, I think that along that, you know, after those two things, uh, just kind of find your, your voice. I try to add a little bit of humor um, sometimes. I, I mean, I think that it's important to, you know, add some personality to it. It's, it's always kind of a fine line to balance in terms of you don't want to offend people or you don't want something to come across in the wrong way. But at the same time, I mean, this, this is who you are and, and what clients should expect. So uh, I think those three points are probably the best piece of advice I can come up with right now. Well, they're, they're both good advice. And that, that latter one is one that some lawyers just find so hard. They're so uncomfortable with kind of letting down the guard of, of the kind of formal legal writing that they've they've come to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and, uh, and yet, uh, I think that's really one of the critical um, elements of making a blog readable and successful. Um, well, uh, anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up today about, about blogging or about your practice? No, just, you know, again, I appreciate the opportunity. Lexblog has always done right by me, and I appreciate the contribution that they've had to, in a lot of ways, to my success. So, thanks for that. Yeah, well, it's been great to talk to you. And uh, listeners, uh, I don't think I said this, we'll post it with the show notes, but you can find the Michigan Employment Law Advisor at, of course, michiganemploymentlawadvisor.com. And, uh, Jason's own practice is at shinlegal.com. That's S-H-I-N-N legal.com. Jason, thanks a lot for being with us. Really appreciate it and fun to talk to you. Thank you, Bob. And once again, uh, this was episode 49 of This Week in Legal Blogging. If you haven't done so yet, please be sure to peruse our full library of shows wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, if you'd like to drop us a quick rating or review, hopefully a positive one. We'd appreciate it. And last but not least, head over to lexblog.com slash TWILB, which is short for this week of legal blogging, for outlines of each and every show. On behalf of myself and everybody at Lexblog, thanks for listening. <laughs>